It's your Tuesday daily delivery. I am Michael Rand. Glad to have you guys all listening again today. A little bit of a different Tuesday than usual owing to the kind of strange week for the Vikings and some holiday travel um, for some of the folks who would normally be on the Tuesday segment. So we're not going to do our usual Vikings recap. That was planned well before the uh, 40-3 loss on uh, on Sunday, but maybe just as well. Don't know how much you guys need to relive all of that over again. Probably best to uh, to move uh, move on to New England. That game only two days away on Thanksgiving. A chance for the Vikings to wipe the slate clean. We'll get into that in a little bit with some comments uh, Monday from Adam Thielen that I thought were particularly salient in that regard. Got some uh, got some stuff from Dave St. Peter, Twins president, that uh, I talked to him on Friday last week out at Mall of America during the big uh, jersey unveiling, uniform unveiling for the Twins out there. I uh, talked to him on a few different subjects um, that I thought were interesting, so I'll play that for you as well. Sarah McClellan, who covers the Wild, of course, for the Star Tribune, will join me here in a little bit, too, to talk about that team's uneven start and how they're trying to find their footing through you know a, a decent number of off-season changes, but more um, learning to play kind of a different style this year, just a different identity for this year's team that is that is developing, um, not winning a lot of those five, four, six, five games, and learning they can't really do that. So trying to figure out how they fit in and try to figure out how they are going to you know be successful if they are going to be successful this year. So I thought that was an interesting conversation. I will play that for you. And I got to get to some Gopher basketball at the end of the show as well. First, though, what did I miss? Let's start. Timberwolves won their fourth game in a row on Monday. Um, kind of a microcosm of their four-game winning streak, though, in that it wasn't wholly satisfying. Right? They went they went down big in the first half to at home to a depleted Miami Heat team that had just played the night before. You know, so the Heat got. Only have a few players um, of note that are that are healthy and playing. No Jimmy Butler. Um, they, you know they've got like eight guys basically in the rotation that, uh, that that can play, and they just played the night before. They still got you know still got Kyle Lowry, still got Bam Adebayo. So it's not like they don't have anybody in the lineup, but still a team that you look at it on the schedule, and it looks like a schedule win for the Wolves, and they essentially sleepwalk through the first half. Here's some booze. From the fans um, after the game, Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards saying, hey, please don't boo. We're doing our best. We're trying our best. I don't understand why you boo um, the, the home the home team. Just kind of support us through support us through this time. And I will say this. You know, I, I get that from a player's perspective, but I also get that fans here tend sometimes, I think occasionally, to boo outcomes. But more than that, they boo when they're frustrated with a perceived either lack of effort or lack of competence. They're not going to boo if, you know, if a play just barely misses or you miss a shot. Like that that's going to happen. They boo a perceived lack of effort. And I saw that in a lot of these recent home games where they've gotten blown out or or gone down big, and that was what I was seeing again in the first half. So I get it. Here's what Chris Finch, head coach of the Timberwolves, was seeing in that first half. We didn't have a lot of juice in the first half, and you know I'm not sure exactly why. Uh, sometimes when you come home from a road trip, that's how it is. You know, one of those things in the NBA that happens. Um, we just didn't play hard. You know, every, you know they did a great job of moving it, and every time they made two hard, uh, two hard actions back to back, they kind of broke us open, and we just, you know, we needed to get into them, and play hard, like. We can't let the fact that we weren't making shots affect how hard we want to play. 
and uh, stop worrying about our offense. Stop worrying about how we're going to get ourselves going. Start worrying about how we got to play harder, compete, put our bodies on people, be physical, you know. And we did a better job of that, you know. Um, and then eventually you get some runouts, you get some easy buckets, and, you know, then you see the ball go in and it changes the momentum of the game. That's a team that, frankly, you know, I don't know if you deserve to get booed. You can you can come down on either side of the ledger on that, however you feel about it. But that's definitely not a team that I would feel like cheering if I was just sitting in the stands on a, on a Monday night watching a team. So keep that in mind. I, I don't feel like this team has necessarily earned cheers at the very least. They did, though, um, earn some of it in the third quarter. Target Center got loud. The team rallied. Um, Rally took a you know took an eight point lead at one point in the third quarter. Watched it disappear in the fourth, but got it back. Made some good defensive plays down the stretch. Get the one hundred five to one hundred one win. Get themselves over five hundred. An important marker. They're now nine and eight again. You know not the start they necessarily won, but as they're trying to figure this out, um, you know a win is a win, and that was also part of Chris Finch's message after the game. We're taking wins right now, man. We're, we're trying to figure things out and, you know, uh, still improve on our habits. Like, we'll take our, take all the wins we can get right now. It's no time to be picky. We know we're a long way from where we think we can be, um, and we got to keep pushing in that direction. So I thought both those things Finch said uh, after the game were particularly um, important. You know, one being they're not anywhere near where they want to be and that the effort is still an issue, and that's troubling to, to him, clearly, and troubling to you know, a lot of folks who watch this team, but um, you're not going to turn your nose up at a win. I think there are some some Wolves fans who have who've looked at this four-game winning streak, who have watched them, you know, almost give back giant leads against Cleveland and Philadelphia before finishing those games off. You know, noticing that a lot of these teams they're beating are depleted, don't have a lot of their best players, while the Wolves are relatively healthy and have their lineup intact. Yeah, all of that is true. But at this point in the year, at any point in the year, you don't turn your nose up at a win. You, you've got to, you've got to just, you know, understand that this is a long year, and you're going to have some ugly wins. And if you have four of them in a row, or a bunch of them as part of a four-game winning streak, that's life, and that is part of the NBA. So I think the Wolves. I don't know if they're trending necessarily in a massively right direction, but I would say four in a row is better than losing four in a row. And nine and eight sure feels a lot better to them than five and eight did not too long ago. On the subject of winning and effort and character, I thought this from Vikings wide receiver Adam Thielen on Monday was interesting as well. And by the way, uh, when reporters talked to Thielen on Monday, he had not yet watched the film, he said, of Sunday's game. Did not want to look at it. Said he probably would later. But uh, that that just tells you that you know some players love to watch the film immediately, um, kind of pick things apart. I think the team needed a little distance from that game, trying to further distance themselves with this opportunity to play New England on Thursday. Here is what Adam Thielen said about that process. Yeah, I think it's important for a few reasons. I think it's important to um, just kind of get that bad taste out of our mouth to say, hey, that 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 wasn't us, um, and to, to say again, you know, this is this is who we are. Um, this is who we want to be moving forward, and this is what we need to do to win games. Um, but I also think it, it's going to show what what kind of character this team has, what kind of leaders uh, this team has, um, this organization has, um, how we respond after a game like that. You know, how are we going to come out of this um, off of a tough loss and a, a blowout loss at home? How are we going to respond to that? And so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to um, just showing that that this is a team full of guys that – that want to be great and want to do the little things and are going to learn from stuff like that, not not let it get to us. So I'm um, excited for that to see how guys respond tomorrow, honestly, how how guys treat these walkthroughs and 
and meetings and and how locked in they are and i'm i'm excited to to see that cuz cuz i really feel like um we have a lot of really great guys that that are going to do it the right way and they're really going to take this as a positive thing um what happened yesterday and and learn from it um and know that that we can't ever uh, let that happen again and i think he's right i think this is an important game for a number of reasons i think you know you don't want to see the record start to slide you don't want to see a a a, a trend emerge with losses, with poor effort. And I think he's right. You you do see how leadership emerges in adversity. You saw it, you know, you saw it early in the year. The Vikings haven't had a ton of adversity after games, right? They've had adversity in games that they've, that they've played through very well. They haven't had a lot of adversity after games. This is only their second loss. They responded to their first loss of the year with a seven-game winning streak, the first of which uh, they came back from 10 points down in the fourth quarter to beat the Lions. That game could have gone sideways uh, at any point and looked like it could until a late touchdown uh, saved the Vikings in that game. So I think we will learn a lot about the Vikings in this game, and I want you to remember what Adam Thielen said as you watch Thursday's game with your belly perhaps full of turkey. Take a playcation to Mystic Lake. With 24-7 gaming, the good times never have to end. And you can satisfy your cravings at our restaurants and bars. Or relax in one of our luxurious hotel rooms. Those that play together, stay together. And don't forget to join Club M so you can spark new memories and bask in the rewards along the way. Follow the lights to Mystic Lake, where every day is play day. I'm happy to be joined today by Sarah McClellan, Star Tribune wild beat writer um sarah we've talked a few times this year already and it feels like this obviously hasn't been the start to the year the wild has wanted their most recent game maybe notwithstanding finally kind of a little evidence of some of that spirit from last year able to get the the comeback win over carolina with the late goal in regulation and the goal in overtime with sam Steele playing a key role there but overall it just kind of feels like they're they're still kind of searching for a lot of things here. How, what have you seen so far in terms of maybe what they thought this year was going to be like and how it has played out so far? You're right. It's been a little bit, obviously, of a different feel, I think, compared to last season. But I think that's been the big takeaway is that even though there are so many players from last season's team still here, this is still a different team. And so I think what we've seen so far is a new team still kind of finding what works for this version of the wild. And so, um, you know, you look at the beginning of the season, a lot of those games, the high scoring, uh, you know, kind of back and forth uh, battles against, you know, the Rangers, the Avalanche, the Kings. Those were games that, you know, the Wild were usually winning last season and obviously they didn't this season. I think that was kind of one of the signs that, okay, this is this is a different team. It's a different composition. It's a different formula for success. Um, and then you kind of saw the teams kind of settle into more of a 3-1 low scoring type of games during that first long road trip and the team started to have success. And I think since then, that's kind of been the blueprint. It's not those six, five, come from behind, pull the goalie in the last minute, score a goal, force overtime. It's, you know, 
timely scoring, opportunistic scoring, and then just getting really stout, stingy defending to, you know, pull out a one nothing win on the road in Seattle. Um, and so I think the more that the team produces that way and has more success, they'll probably get more comfortable in that type of game because it is a different feel to be, you know, scoreless or tied after two going into the third period, the margin, you know, uh, of air at that point is so slim and it's really like one play that can make or break the game in the team's favor. And so I think we're starting to see more and more, especially, you know, the win on Saturday against Carolina is that another example of that, the more times that they get used to being in that type of battle, being in a close game um, where the pressure is kind of always on, um, it seems like the more familiar they get with that, you know, maybe it'll be easier for them to stick to that type of strategy because that's what seems to be suiting them more so than, you know, trying to get into those track meets where it's going to take five or six goals to win because they're just not scoring five or six goals so far this season. And, you know, everybody wants to win no matter what. I do wonder, like, you know, last year, Winning 5-4 is probably a lot more fun sometimes than winning 2-1. It's probably a harder pitch sometimes, I would think, from Dean Evison to say, look, we gotta we gotta button this up. We gotta we gotta tighten things down. How do you think the players have adapted to, you know, maybe realizing and recognizing that this is how they have to play if they want to win? Yeah, I think that's what probably what we're seeing on display now. And, you know, to be fair though, this is a wild team that just still isn't at full strength. So I think it'll be really interesting to see. Uh, how this style clicks potentially for the team when everybody is on the ice and they roll out a lineup where they, you know, they're not held back by injury. Uh, but I think that's what we're seeing is, you know, the, the more that they can get into these games and know that, you know, if they get two or three and if they can limit the opposition to one or two, that's going to be the recipe for success. And um, like I said, I think they're probably in that learning process right now because, you know, like I said, I think Carolina, that victory kind of proved, you know, how they can just kind of hang around in a game, keep it low scoring, and then find those opportunistic two plays that can kind of change a game. Whereas, you know, the week before at home against San Jose, a 2 nothing lead, they blow that lead, and then they lose, you know, against the Sharks 3-2, to two, you know, in a shootout. So, you know, I think it's still kind of just those growing pains of figuring it out and the more that they're in those situations, the more that they're probably going to get comfortable. And it really just kind of, you know, solidifies that this is how this team has to play to have success. This isn't the team last season that could just, you know, turn on the offense in the sure. third and come from behind. And you're right. It was a very thrilling, entertaining brand of hockey. Obviously, you know, they had the personnel that could do it. And a lot of that personnel is still here. But overall, this team as a whole is different. And I think that's just kind of the transformation that organizations go through year to year. You talked about not being at full strength. Now, they've been off for a little while here. They don't play again, I believe, till Wednesday which I think is also the day that Marc-Andre Fleury is eligible to come off of injured reserve. We probably won't know for a little while what, what's going on there. But last time we saw them, last time you were able to talk to you know the relevant parties, where did we stand with a lot of these injuries? Talk about guys like Ryan Hartman, guys like Jordan Greenway, and obviously Marc-Andre Fleury, and, and others who have been in and out of the lineup this year. 
Yeah, Marc-Andre Fleur, you're right. Wednesday would be the first day that he could be activated off injured reserve. The word is that he has been progressing well. Um, as for Jordan Greenway, he's been dealing with a setback to a shoulder injury that he suffered you know, earlier this season in his first game back from off-season surgery. Um, so he, you know, he might be a possibility soon as well. Um, obviously, Ryan Hartman's been out for a little while now. Um, so it's still a team that is missing, you know, three key players. You know, these are players, obviously a starting goalie. Ryan Hartman had been centering the number one line and Jordan Greenway is obviously a big part of this forward group. And especially when he's been playing with, with Marcus Foligno and Joel Erickson Eck, that's been one of the most dominating lines in the NHL when they've been together, but they just haven't really had that opportunity to have consistent ice time together. So those are big pieces of the puzzle that are subtracted right now for the wild. Having said that the games still go on the schedule is still being played. So I think that's why we've obviously seen a lot of line juggling, a lot of shuffling um, and a lot of players getting opportunities that maybe they, they wouldn't otherwise. Again, that, that victory against the hurricanes on Saturday was a, perfect example of that obviously uh, Philip Gustafson is in net now you know he obviously kind of reset after that loss previously to Pittsburgh uh, only giving up one goal and then you know Sam Steele is the latest to center this top line between Kirill Kaprizov and Matt Zuccarello and he picked up two points scored the game tying goal and then set up Alex Goligoski for the overtime winner and Goligoski has mostly been a healthy scratch this season, but he draws into the lineup. And so there's opportunity to be had. And, you know, you look at a win like that again, it's in, it's in the scheme. It's in that low scoring strategy that the team wants to play, but it's other players stepping up to capitalize on opportunity that, you know, a few games ago might not have even have been in the lineup. That felt pretty important against Carolina. Cause I felt like up until that point, they had, you know, done an okay job at times of weathering the storm of these injuries, but just a lot of these line combinations, like you know, you don't try a lot of different things if they're working, right? You try a lot of different things if they're not working generally. And, you know, it was pretty glaring that they weren't getting what they wanted out of the, the center, the the top line center with with Hartman out, that they're kind of trying to figure out who works best now with Felino, stuff like that. They're finding some things that work, but I, I do wonder um how much this either showed them things that can work or kind of told them, Hey, our, our depth is not great right now. you you make a really good point in the sense that, you know, when this was working last season for this team, there was such stability in this lineup. Yeah. I think that definition was very clear and very helpful. You had the top line, you had, you know, you had the, the Kevin Fiala, Matt Boldy, Frederick Rudrow line. You had the Eric's next shutdown. Line. There was just such depth and definition. And I think that's helpful. I think stability is comfort and that breeds familiarity and these players knew their roles. And I think, you know, amid the injuries and even amid the roster turnover, Fiala is gone. There are new faces in this forward group. I think that's the evolution and the process that this team is going through now. And it, yes, it's, it's November, it's a month plus into the season, but they're still figuring that out. And, you know, like I said, with the injuries, they still haven't had their full complement of players available to really 
maybe, you know, settle. This is the lines, you know, this is how this team is going to play. So I, like I said, I think those growing pains and, you know, work in progress is to be expected. And you're right. You see the shuffling now because the offense hasn't produced consistently. It really seems that, you know, a a theme so far this season has been once one issue gets corrected, another one pops up, right? So early in the season, they were scoring three, you know, three, four goals a game, but they were giving up six or seven. So then they corrected that. The defense really tightened up. The goaltending stabilized. And then the offense dried up. And so it just hasn't been a situation where I feel like all factors of their game have come together at one point. And when they do, I think, you know, the idea is is that they'll be able to win, you know, with that 3-1, 3-2-2-1 type of style. And so the fact that they're getting some examples of that so far, I think probably can help, um, you know, show them that this can work. This is different. This isn't last year's team. This isn't pull the goalie and stage this comeback and, 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 and win dramatically like that, but this can work. And so I think that's, again, kind of that part of the process that the wild are in right now. And, you know, in November, especially on this seven game homestand, that's key too. And another change, this team was a very tough team to play against at XL energy center last season. The results haven't been there so far, but obviously there's quite a few games less left on this homestand for them to, to maybe figure that out and make this a place where they can pick up a lot of points. Was that a confidence booster for Gustafson the other night? He, you know, he'd been a little up and down. You mentioned the Pittsburgh game; that was not great, um, where they gave up six. That had to that had to feel good for you know from his standpoint and from an organizational standpoint to know that he, he at least you know however long Flurry is out, uh, that game is within him at least. You know, I think the results matter, even though you know a goalie can play well if the result isn't there to back it up. I, you know, I think it's just a different vibe, a different feel. And he's played well overall. And you look at some of the games where he hasn't gotten the results. He still played, he still played well. And I, I think he's still been in a position where on the whole, he's given this team a chance to win. So to get a win, um, you know, I think that probably just continues to validate his position, his role on this team. And you're right. He's been in this place now where he's, you know, between the pipes handling those duties with flurry out injured and i think a game like that especially like i said in that low scoring to only give up one goal um you know obviously probably is a boost for him just to kind of get that win get that result and especially if if he is back in there on their next game you know wednesday against winnipeg it's an opportunity to build some momentum and i think that's obviously what this team needs on the whole to kind of string some performances together and, you know, kind of get some rhythm in their game. couple final thoughts here, talking with Sarah McClellan, Wild Beat Rider, Star Tribune. Um, one player that they were, you know, I think counting on to a certain degree this year, Marco Rossi has been up and down the lineup, a guy that's gotten chances, you know, high, low, wherever you want to go. Uh, where do you think they feel like he's at right now? I think what we have heard is that, you know, they feel like he's playing well. The production just hasn't been there. And maybe that's part of him wanting to come in, you know, and be so focused defensively and and be a smart, responsible player. And maybe that, you know, just has been there. But obviously the offense hasn't. And I think, you know, that this is, again, 
maybe it's the word of the season process, you know, that, that, that I think very much applies to him, the team um, that, you know, he is figuring this out, but he's, you know, obviously a very high draft pick comes in as a very offensive player from the past. And obviously that helps shape expectations and roles and what a player could be. Um, you saw earlier, obviously, in the season for him to pick up his first NHL point and get an assist, how much it looked like that might have been a relief for him uh, to contribute since, you know, that is the big expectation that he is a producer and he is a playmaker and he can be this center that this team has long needed to come in and stabilize that part of the lineup. So, you know, I, I think it's just part of that transition to go from the minors to the NHL. Uh, but, you know, that part has been missing, but again, a lot of players are not scoring at a consistent clip and that's been a team-wide problem. So it's not anything new that it just hasn't been there just for him. Um, there's other players that obviously haven't contributed, but he's obviously doing it under the microscope of a, being a rookie, uh, a prized rookie, a prized draft pick, you know, getting this opportunity with the wild this season after making the team at a training camp. Final thing, we kind of, I forget about it occasionally. Um, I'm sure other people don't forget about it, but, you know, this is still, you know, year one of dealing essentially with the, with the, with the fallout from the buyouts from Suter and Parisi. I think somebody tweeted the other day, hey, there's $13 million worth of the wild salary cap playing in, in a different game. Must have been uh, Islanders, and I can't remember who, uh, must have been Dallas against the Islanders, right? If that's Suter and Parisi now. Um, as, as we, you know, as we, we can't forget about that, right? I mean, they're, they're certainly, ha they certainly feel it every day. And it's just kind of interesting to think about how they are navigating that right now and has, how that's going to be the reality for a few years uh, going forward. You're right. That, that is very much a reality for this team. And you see it obviously probably most clearly in the off season when a lot of that roster turnover happens and players are signed or traded, brought in on the move. Uh, but you're right. It, it's just part of this team's financial picture for the present, for the future. And, and, you know, it's just not going to go away right now, but I feel like regardless, you know, this is a team that is it a, in a point because of last season to kind of, you know, take a step this season, that'll probably really determine the direction, you know, last season, obviously the most successful in franchise history, what do they do for an encore? That was always probably going to be a big question. Um, and, uh, you know, a big next step to watch this season, regardless of what their books look like. I don't think we have all the answers yet, but uh, maybe that will start to come into focus with the next 15 or 20 games going forward. Sarah McClellan, good stuff as always. Follow her coverage, Star Tribune, StarTribune.com. Next one, like you said, Wednesday against Winnipeg, and we will talk soon. Take care. Good stuff from Sarah as always. And if the Wild is going to kind of reset itself and find its footing, find its bearings, it's a good time to do it. They've still got five more games at home. Um, kind of a not a not a leisurely pace, but they don't have any home back to backs at least as part of this homestand. They do have a, a game right after their last of that homestand, a Saturday Sunday on December third <clears throat> and December fourth. But you know, five in a row, some time in between games, a chance to maybe get a little bit healthier, and we'll see what they are able to do with that and get their season to where they want it to be. Like I mentioned at the jump, I wanted to play some uh, some stuff I got from Dave St. Peter, Twins president. Uh, on Friday when I was out at the uh, the Twins uniform unveiling. Some interesting thoughts he had on 
you know, just kind of the rebrand, what it means, where the team is at. And I also snuck in a question about my favorite subject, TV, and how how fans are going to be able to watch or not watch the Twins in 2023. Dave, like, how, you know, when you do a rebrand like this, you got to be sensitive to a lot of different yeah. things. Like, what, what what did you what did you think about the whole process and just like trying to trying to put it all together? You know, it was it was incredibly thorough. Um, you know, we talked to literally hundreds of people. You know, season ticket holders, uh, avid fans, casual fans, current players, alumni players, uh, corporate partners, um, and you know, I think that through those conversations, there were certain there was a, I would say, a, a wide range of loves and loathes. Um, but at the end of the day, you're, it's a balancing act around how do you celebrate the history of your franchise, pay homage, so to speak, but yet move the brand forward in a compelling, um, more progressive way. And I think the goal here was to find that balance, and I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic that we were able to do that. Now, none of this brand really, to me, comes to life until you wear it on the field. And in some cases, maybe until you, frankly, win a championship. In 1987, they had new new threads. That was the last time we went through this, 35 years ago. But let's be honest, the, the, the beloved M from that era didn't really become beloved until that team probably won the World Series. I'm hoping that this group can go out and have postseason success, and, and ultimately then these marks will, will, will the, 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 the way they're viewed, it, it'll be accelerated, so to speak. Well, to that end, I mean, you, the way you finished last year wasn't how you wanted to finish, obviously. The way yeah. you started the year, you know, looked like you guys were on, on the right track. Yeah. Injuries, everything like that happens. Does it become more challenging to put things out like this when you, you know, aren't coming off the most successful season? People are going to be like, oh, who cares? But who cares about the jerseys? Play, play the game. Yeah, I mean, in the social media world we live in, there's always <laughs> going to be a lot of noise. Yeah. Um, but we're, you know, we're being very intentional about how we try to push our baseball team forward, how we try to push our organization forward, how we reimagine the way uh, we do business. I think it's imperative that we that we do that as a baseball team in a, in a in a in an environment that's wildly different than it was five or ten years ago. So for for us, pushing the brand forward as a refresh, particularly when we haven't really done it for 35 years, is probably overdue. And uh, um, I, I think you just have to at some point put the blinders on, kind of block the outside noise, and and push forward. And the haters are going to hate. Um, my hope is is that. You know what we did today people feel good about and can be proud of and i think over time i'm certain that that'll be the case once our guys start playing games and more importantly winning games in these uniforms you guys have been through a lot in the last few years like the good and the bad everything that's been you know the COVID era things like that tell me some things that make you optimistic on the field for 2023 or even just beyond that uh young pitching i think you know it's 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 been slow to get here it's been it's we've had a hard time keeping it healthy but we have more good um, um, major league ready young pitching in our system than uh, a, a long, long time. Um, you know, uh, luck. I, I think we had a, a horrible string of injuries. I, I have to believe that that's going to even out in in 2023 and beyond. And then the fact that I think the culture that we've created with Rocco and with our environment, um, players like to be here. We've signed 
we've signed big-time free agents. Um, you know, we think we can continue to position Minnesota as a destination, not only a place where free agents want to sign, but players ultimately like Byron Buxton want to be for the long term. And that doesn't happen by accident. We've been trying to be very intentional about, you know, the environment that we create for our players. And I think that's why I'm so bullish. And then I think about Target Field. It's still a gem. Um, you know, we're going to finish in about a $30 million project to add completely new video boards and making them all bigger, making them better, adding new ones. We think the Target Field experience will be bigger and better than ever in 2023 and beyond. Last thing for you, Dave. Appreciate it as always. Um, as you think about, this is kind of my pet project with view, the, the availability of the Twins on yeah. TV. And we get the Valley Sports app now, but we don't have Major League Baseball by and large on that yet. Where do you where do where do you see things in 2023 and beyond in terms of people having access to your games on TV? Well, there isn't an issue that 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 we're dealing with that's more important than that issue, and it's it's complicated, more complicated than it probably needs to be. But I can assure you that the Commissioner of Baseball, um, uh, every owner in the league, um, you know, we're all pushing for uh, resolution. Uh, here in Minnesota, we're in an active conversation with uh, Diamond Sports, which is the parent company of Belly Sports North. Uh, we're in an active conversation with Major League Baseball, and it's certainly my hope that we're going to have as wide a spread accessibility to our game starting in 2023 uh, as is possible. But it remains to be seen in what form that's going to take. Dave, appreciate it. Congrats on the event today. Good luck. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it. Always appreciate Dave's time. Always love talking hockey with Dave as well. Huge hockey fan, North Dakota hockey fan. He and I have North Dakota hockey roots, even though I have long since moved on um, since I went to the University of Minnesota. But he he talked to, you know, I think one of his pet projects going forward could be trying to find an outdoor game between the University of North Dakota and the University of Minnesota at Target Field. How great would that be? We'll see if that ever comes to fruition, but I think that would be pretty cool, and I think he thinks that would be pretty cool as well. Let's finish with the cooler. Gophers men's basketball team needed some last-second heroics from Dawson Garcia to pull out a 62-61 to win on uh, on Monday night, late, late, late. Uh, over uh, over uh, California Baptist. Gophers got out to a 15 nothing lead in the SoCal Challenge over California Baptist. California Baptist rallied, tied the game late, but Dawson Garcia with a bucket about five seconds left in overtime. 62-61 win for the Gophers, so good for them. At least they got the win, but they might have wanted a more convincing win, even if that was far, far away from home. The Gophers, by the way, will play UNLV in the championship game of that little tournament. Uh, UNLV beat Southern Illinois 56-49 in the other game, the late, late, late game on Monday. UNLV now 5-0 and on the season, so that will definitely be a test for the Gophers. That'll do it for me here today. Should have some good stuff coming up the rest of the week. Kind of a short week. Programming note will not be a show on Friday this week. Um, even though the Vikings do play Thursday, I think Access Vikings will have you covered after that game, and we'll get back to a full regular slate on Monday next week, but still shows the rest of the week on on Wednesday and on Thursday planned for you. That will do it for today. Hope you have a great rest of your Tuesday. Back at it again tomorrow. 